It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans. Happy New Year, and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. The Barracuda took on the Henderson Silver Knights for the first time this season this past weekend, marking the first and second matchups on the eight-game season series. The year before, the Barracuda went 2-5-1 against the Golden Knights affiliate. Entering Friday's game, the Silver Knights had picked up points in six straight. They were 5-0-1 over that stretch and had won three straight for the first time this season. For the Barracuda, they were forced to go into Friday's game with just 11 forwards and 6 defense, as the Sharks recalled several players to their active roster and to their taxi squad as the club was on an East Coast road trip. In the first period at 13:32, Connor Corcoran of the Silver Knights would open things up as he'd snap one in past Sam Harvey off the left dot. There's a shot, good save Harvey as he turns aside the bid. Off that right dot. No, a shot from the left side by Corcoran, and he scores. The Barracuda would outshoot the Silver Knights 10-9 in the first period, but the game would remain at a 1-0 Silver Knights lead after 20. Just nine seconds into the second period, Pavel Dorofiev would light the lamp with his 11th of the year, unassisted to give the Silver Knights a 2-0 lead. There's a chance right off the ensuing face-off draw. It's sniped past Sam Harvey. It's a 2 to nothing lead for the Silver Knights. What a shot by Dora Fiam. Down by two goals and on the penalty kill, exactly two minutes and 30 seconds later, the Barracuda would cut into Henderson's lead. As John Leonard would strip the puck off of a Silver Knights stick at center ice, race back into the offensive zone, and beat Yuri Patera over the right shoulder, shorthanded, to cut the lead down to 2-1. to one. Dylan Hamlick sitting for interference. Dilavatore will skate it up ice. Strip of the puck by John Leonard. Leonard in the attacking zone. Takes a wide shot. He scores! John Leonard intercepts the puck, strips it off the blade of Dilavatore, and he puts it under the crossbar. For the Barracuda, it would mark their seventh shorthanded goal of the season, the most in the AHL. Unfortunately, after that point, the Silver Knights would score three straight goals in the second period to take a 5-1 lead. Ben Jones would take it off the stick of Christopher Beek and at the seven-minute mark would make it 3-1 Silver Knights. Connor Corcoran would later score again on the power play and Jake LeCision would be the receiver of a fortuitous bounce as he'd pick up his seventh goal of the year. Less than 24 hours later, the Barracuda would turn right back around, looking for the weekend split against Henderson. At the 12-13 mark of the opening period, Sasha Shemalevsky would get things started to get the Barracuda on the board. Redemption after a 5-1 defeat against Henderson last night. 
Sasha Shemolevsky flicks it along for Joachim Blickfield. Has a step, works to the backhand, and he fluttered it just wide. Back in front, they score! Blickfeld carried the puck in on the backhand, missed the target, and ends up getting centered right back in front for Shemolevsky. And he beats Dylan Ferguson, and the Barrow could have something they did not have last night, and that is a lead. Despite getting outshot in the first period, 8-7, the Barracuda would take their 1-0 lead into the first intermission. Four minutes and three seconds into the second, again, Shemalevsky would put one home. The Barracuda would take a 2-0 lead into the second intermission. And just one minute and five seconds into the third, Jake McGrew would carry the puck down the left wing and snap one in to give the Barracuda a 3-0 lead. A lot of hockey to be played, but that next goal is going to be a big one. John Leonard, Al McGrew, works in! He shoots, he scores! McGrew beats Ferguson! On the right short side, just over the left pad, and Jake McGrew's on the board. But the Silver Knights, who had won four straight entering Saturday and had points in seven consecutive games, would not go down without a fight. At 4.42, Jonas Ronberg would cut the lead down to 3-1. to Nothing, Barracuda late. Blickfeld with the puck, will skate it back into his own zone. Springing ahead for Mark Alt, couldn't handle the pass. Silver Knights in the zone, here's a chance. Ronberg works in, and he scores! He puts it under the left pad of Alexei Melnichuk, and the Silver Knights have their first goal tonight. Then at 5.36, veteran forward Sven Berchi would make it 3-2. Go towards the net, kicked away Melnichuk. Recovered by Brooks, centered in front, and they score! It's a 3-2 lead! Sven Berchi on the doorstep beats Alexei Melnichuk. And the Barracuda were up 3-0 at one point in the period, and all of a sudden that advantage is down to just one. And Reed Duke would level the score up with Henderson's third consecutive goal at 11.56. For Duke, it would be his first of the year. 8-10 remaining in this third period. They saw to the left side of Alexei Melnichuk. Bumped down low. Centered in front, they score! And we are all tied up. Reed Duke beats Melnichuk on a quick centering feed by Ben Jones. It's three unanswered goals in the third by the Silver Knights, and we're tied at three apiece. With the game now tied at 3-3 in the third, and Henderson holding all the momentum, it was Barracuda forward Joachim Blickfeld who would recapture San Jose's lead. A clean slate for both teams. Anybody's game with under six to go here in the third. Face off, one up high to the point. Shemalevsky, given Moberg. Blickfeld shoots! He scores! Blickfeld goes top shelf, short side. And the Barracuda take back their lead. It's a 4-3 advantage. Henderson would elect to pull their goaltender Dylan Ferguson with just over two and a half minutes to go in the third period. And with the net empty, Sasha Shemalevsky would complete the hat trick. And regulation. Here's a chance. Weinger. He's going to give it for Shemalevsky. He's got the hat trick on his stick. He scores! 
for Shemilevsky. It was his first hat trick of his pro career for the Barracuda, their ninth in franchise history. Mark Alt would seal the victory with another empty netter at 1825, as head coach Roy Sommer would pick up his 800th American Hockey League win. And the horn will sound. Congratulations to head coach Roy Sommer, win number 800 in his illustrious AHL career. He's got kind of a frown on his face, I think somewhat frustrated on how that one finished up, but give credit to his team for bearing down, finding a way to recapture their lead and then hold on to this one. Sommer in year number 24 in his brilliant AHL career that began way back in the late 90s with the Kentucky Thoroughblades. He's had stops in Kentucky, Cleveland, Worcester, and now in San Jose, his native Bay Area for the Oakland, California native. When we come back on CUDA Confidential, we'll be joined by Emily Gardner, Barracuda Game Presentation Coordinator. Score! Timo Meyer gets his first of the year and a fist pump. It's everything Sharks hockey in one place. The crowd is on its feet and check out the Sharks bench. They're into it too. It's the Sharks Audio Network, a 24-7 streaming audio platform dedicated to Sharks hockey and the destination to listen to Sharks games. You can find the Sharks Audio Network on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and at sjsharks.com slash listen. Download the app today to listen to Sharks hockey plus unique Sharks content all day long on the Sharks Audio Network. Hey Sharks fans, are you planning to move in the near future? Look no further than SM Moving Systems. SM Moving has been a family-owned business for four generations. Whether it is a residential move or commercial move for your business, SM Moving can manage all the logistics and planning for local, long distance, even international moves. We are proud to be the preferred moving company of the San Jose Sharks. To request a quote for your next move, go to smmoving.com. SM Moving Systems. Quality in every move we make. Now, back to the action. Barracuda Hockey continues now. Welcome back to Cuda Confidential. We are very pleased to be joined by Emily Gardner, who is the Barracuda's operation coordinator. And first of all, some congratulations in, or is in order because that's a new title for you. You went from basically the assistant to Daniel Bell, who has now moved on to the Sharks and is running their game presentation. But now you are running the show in the American Hockey League. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And how, how are things going now that you've taken over on a full-time basis? Things are going great. You know, like last season with COVID, it was, it was great, but we didn't have any fans. It's not the same. So going into last season, I was super excited to kind of get into this role. Um, but it was just more on the back end. I was just learning the game presentation side of things, but it's hard to do that without fans. So I'm super excited this season to really put into motion some of the ideas I've had and be able to see the fan reaction, get back to those fun games that we've always missed. Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? For your job. It's it's all about what's going on in arena and how you're entertaining the fans. And with no fans last year, you wanted it to be somewhat normal for the players. So you still operated as if there were fans, but there was no fans. So it's it's hard to mimic uh the energy exactly. that is, is brought by fans um i want to talk about your job and exactly what goes into the day-to-day -day quickly because i get questions all the time from people who ask me well what do you do in sports and then i try to explain it to them and they're like well what do you do during the off season what are you doing in the office when you're not calling games because that's all you're doing right and in minor pro sports, we all know there's a lot more that goes into just the actual game itself. And we all wear lots and lots of different hats. So if you will, describe to us exactly what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then 
when the games do come and you're really there to shine, uh, what are the type of things you're doing on a game day? So essentially on a non-game day, um, it's funny, people really think we don't do a lot on non-game days, but that's not the case whatsoever. Um, on non-game days, it's really, I'm part of my job as well as going into the community and marketing aspect of things. So like when we have our promo nights, for example, like we've got Pucks and Paws, we've got Hockey Fights Cancer. Um, the main role that I have on those days, our off days, are getting these people into the building, you know, for our like um, our special fan of the game or making sure that fans do want to come to these promo days. Um, I have meetings with like the building operations people, um, with the sales, ticket sales, um, working with projects on them to get more people in the building as well, just because, you know, if they're doing good, that means that I can do my job even better. You know, more people we get in the building, the more fun we can have with game presentation. Um, and then on an actual game day, it's interesting when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I script and call the games. And they're like, there's a script to a hockey game. I'm like, yeah, there is. I was like, do you not think about like the lighting, the videos, the music, that's all scripted essentially. And that's all something that needs to be planned ahead of time. So I spend my week in the office getting those scripts perfected for the games and making sure that everything's going to go off without a hitch, making sure we have the right music, the right videos, the right graphics, all that fun stuff. So that's what a typical um, week looks like for me from going to the community aspect of things to going to game day aspect. So obviously the big promo nights are the big ones. Those, those are the games that you're dedicating the most time to leading into games. So we've got Pucks and Paws coming up this season. We've got maybe not the full slate of promotions that we would normally, but that's all the preparation for the new arena so i've got to ask what is your favorite promotion what, what's the biggest one that you're looking forward to i'm super excited for pucks and paws i have my whole family coming out bringing their dogs that's one of my favorite games and maybe it's just because i'm a you know a dog lover i love dogs and animals and all that fun stuff but it also it's, it's really fun for the fans you know we see it in baseball we see it in minor league baseball where people can bring their animals out to the game but it's to do it in hockey and do it indoors is a different kind of environment you know we have fun with it too we have like the cat meowing in the background we do the the doorbell noise so that's one of the days that i'm really looking forward to and we're partnering with the humane society of silicon valley so we will have a presence from them as well at the games and that's the one i'm mostly looking forward to this season yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. The, the dog games are so fun because it, it's bizarre in the sense that the play's going on, but you can hear dogs barking in the background. And from exactly. my standpoint, I have a an ice mic, which picks up the natural sound to, to provide a little bit of texture for the broadcast. And when you hear dogs barking in the background, it's a mental trip. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. And I always love seeing the pups on the big screen, too. And we didn't Definitely. get a chance to do it last year with a condensed schedule and no fans. So I know everybody's been really looking forward to that coming back this year and, and it should be a lot of fun and it'll be fun leading into the new building next year as well. Um, we talked about you getting the new role. You're now considered the Barracuda's operations coordinator and you run all the games, everything that goes on, everything up on the big screen, all the PA reads, all the music graphics okay. that are being played. That's all you kind of running it all from behind the scenes. I want to ask you a quick question. You moved from ice level in years past and now you're way up in the press box with me first of all how do you like it up there because we we're on a different planet um you know, that's exactly like what it is little uh little mice running around the ice mm -hmm. so so how how has it gone uh being way up there and you work right next to aaron fonseca who's our pa announcer so describe that kind of relationship as you guys work alongside and has there been an adjustment being way up top now so there is an adjustment from going, like you said, on ice level to now being 
up in the press box. And I'll tell you, I didn't think I needed glasses until I made my way up there. Um, but you know, it's, it's different, but I, I do like being up higher because when you're on ice level, yes, it is great. You're right there where the action's happening. Um, but from a game presentation standpoint, it's a little bit nicer to be up higher because you can really get the full spectrum of everything that's going on in the bowl. Um, so like with the new arena, that's essentially where I told um, them I wanted to sit as well. I was like, I don't want to be as high as I am this season, but I'm going to be right at the top of the last row. I think we only go up about 13 rows in the new arena um, and I'll have a full spectrum view of everything, but still not be so far away that like you said, they look like mice. Um, but yeah, it's been an adjustment with Aaron Fonseca. He's great. He does a wonderful job. Um, we're a great team, great partnership. He's very helpful. He actually says he does like being up higher because he is able to see everything. Um, but that's something we've adjusted to. And I think so far we've done a pretty good job. And, you know, it's helpful that the officials in the box, they are on headset with me the entire game. So like one of the questions I got this season was, how do you get the calls? And I'm like, well, luckily Mike Moy, one of our officials, he is on headset with me the entire game. And he's really good about getting them to me really fast. Whereas if we were in the penalty box, he'd literally just write it down and hand it to me. So it's definitely a different dynamic, but so far we've gotten used to it and it's going pretty well. It's pretty incredible to hear it from your guys' standpoint, because I'm in my own world, right? I'm calling the game and everybody has their own little planet that they're living on when it comes to pro sports. I don't know if people recognize how much work goes into just the preparation and the production in arena. There's so much that goes into it. We mentioned that the PA reads, the PA announcer, the different videos being played and you have different specialty nights and there's a whole kit and caboodle of things that go into that as well. It's pretty incredible. All the different things that you're operating. Do you enjoy being under the stress, stress and the pressure that goes into to being live? There's no turning back, right? You've got to go full speed ahead if you make a mistake it's like a a little speed bump you got to keep keep on rolling exactly like you know coming into this role we all make mistakes it's a learning experience 110 percent. you know i've been with the organization for seven years but i haven't been in this role for that long so i've made mistakes but the important part of those mistakes is you take them you learn from them and you know how to make the show better next time um it happens in sports all the time and like i'm comfortable with it now because I know how to, okay, I learned from this. Let's move on. Let's make the show even better next time. I do enjoy the pressure because the payoff is so much worth, so much more worth it in the end. Yeah, that's a great point, right? The, the pressure, it becomes more rewarding when you get through it, right? I feel 100%. like we, we can compare our, our worlds and they're pretty similar in that sense when, when you're in a live setting and you've got to just roll the punches. I want to talk about a little bit about your path. You mentioned seven years now within the organization. You've been with the club since its first season way back in 2015, but you started in a different role. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were part of the tank patrol originally. Yeah. Or part of the staff and then you kind of worked your way into your current position. So I want to ask first, where'd the passion to sports come from and is sports something that you always wanted to work in? And then on the other side of the coin, if you will, you've taken over this role. You first were an assistant for Daniel Bell, helping out the game presentation. Now you've taken over full time. Where did the passion come from for this specific role? Is it something you were even familiar with or something you kind of learned over time? So yeah, like you said, I started off on tank patrol. Um, I was 18. I was, you know, freshly in college. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I never really thought sports would be, you know, a job. Um, I've always been a sports fan. I grew up a Sharks fan. My family had season tickets. So I've been going to games since I was five, but you, I never really um, understood, you know, that there was so much that went on um, behind the scenes. So after getting the job with tank patrol, I essentially just wanted to know more. 
I spent about two years on tank patrol. I was asking questions, you know, I was making sure I was getting in early. I was talking to, at the time, it was Steve Maroney and then Tina Davilio and then Daniel Bell, who's now with the Sharks. I was asking them questions and I made it known to them like, hey, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I'm interested in this. I have a passion for this. It just like, it kind of took over to an extent. Like I saw how much went on and I was like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be the one that's calling the shots. I want to be the one that's creating the content because it's so rewarding to see how much the fans enjoy it. And that was just something that I automatically knew I wanted to be a part of. So I told Daniel at the time, I was like, hey, like, you know, I want to learn more, you know, give me more responsibility. And that he did. And I'm very thankful for that because it got me to where I am today. We're all really excited for Daniel because he had to work his way through the American Hockey League Mm -hmm. into the NHL. It was a long time coming for him to get the opportunity he has now. You worked under Daniel. Now he's taken over full time as the Sharks game presentation manager. Has has he become sort of a, a mentor for you? And how do you kind of rely on Daniel's expertise to navigate your career and now your new position? Yeah, so he honestly is extremely helpful. He really kind of took me under his wing because at the time, you know, the Barracuda staff, which is now growing um, as we go into the new arena, the staff for the Barracuda was quite small for a long time. Um, and now we're kind of in a new era. And I did look to him and he's helped me through a lot of the stuff when I first started into this role. And um, he's made sure to make it known, like, you know, this is, take this and make it your own. You know, like take this job and take this opportunity and really kind of jump into it and make it your own and go full force and make game presentation great, which is what I'm trying to do. And I'm thankful to Eric and Kendra and all of the team here. They've really been so welcoming and so helpful. And I, I don't know where I would be without the people I've been working with now. Well, we're coming up on a new year, and, and I'm one of those people. I don't know if everybody shares the same uh, sentiment, but I, I have a thought that I like to set goals with the new year. So I just want to ask you on a game-to-game basis, is there any goals that you try to set going into to a game? Is there anything that you want to accomplish that at the end of the game you say, yes, we did a good job. Yes, we did what we hope to accomplish. Are you much of a goal setter, and do you try to set goals going into games? I definitely try to do that. You know, like I said, like we can't control what happens on the ice, obviously, but my main role is to make sure that the fans are having fun, you know, like we could be down for nothing. And it, to me, that doesn't matter. Like I still need to put on as good of a show as if we were winning five, nothing. It's got to be the same kind of environment. Like, yes, of course it does help when we're winning, but that shouldn't hinder anything on the game presentation side. Like game presentation needs to be on point no matter what's going on. So that's kind of my goal for every game. You know, I, use new content. I've got new content coming into the new year, um, trying to get some new games, new intermission games, new music. Like I want the dynamic to be that, yes, they're coming to watch hockey, but they're also coming in for a show. That's kind of my goal for it is like, if they leave happy, whether we won or lost, that's when I know I've, I've done my best. I've done my job. Okay. So for aspiring students who want to get into the sports realm, you mentioned you never quite thought that sports was a long-term viable thing from a work standpoint well it has become one you you continue Mm -hmm. to work your way through it so for somebody maybe just getting into college or they're in high school and they they're thinking man I love sports but I don't know where to start I don't know what avenue I want to take within sports what's a little bit of advice that you have for them honestly like I definitely um, learned that going into tank patrol, once you have your foot in the door, no matter what role it's in, whether it's a game promo team, whether it's a street team, whether it's something small like that, 
once your foot is in the door, all these other doors open up. You know, in the past, I've worked for the San Jose Earthquakes as well. I've worked for the San Francisco 49ers for a season. Like, just ask questions and reach out to people. The more people you know, the better chances there are of you getting your foot in the door with sports. And just ask questions. That's the biggest thing is ask questions, make it known that you're interested and people will reach out to you and people will make it known like, yes, okay, you're interested. That means we're interested. That means we're going to give you a shot. So that's just kind of how I did it. And that's the advice I tend to give people is just to ask questions and, you know, get that foot in the door, check out some job postings online, check out internships, make sure you're just making it known that you are interested in sports and the door will open. And then after that, it's all history. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Just because you have an idea of what you want to do. I always knew I wanted to be a broadcaster, but I also thought if I could get my foot in the door, make some connections in any sort of role, I think it would go a long way. And and you're a perfect example of that. It doesn't matter how you get in or what facet you get in. Once you're in, you're you're kind of in the in the club, if you will. Um, we talked about advice for aspiring students trying to get into the sports realm. What I love about our team and the team that we continue to grow is it's so diverse, right? You know, you are a, a woman in sports, which maybe back in the day was more of a rarity. It's not necessarily the case anymore, but I'm sure there's lots and lots of young girls that want to get in sports. So I mentioned the advice for any young students. What would be your advice to young women trying to get into, into the sports realm? And being that you are doing what you are doing is there any limitations that they should have? I mean, from my experience, I would say, heck no. I mean, there's not a job out there that's not obtainable um, for, for anybody, especially for women. So what advice do you have for the young girls who want to get into sports? Definitely don't be intimidated. You know, it den- it can be intimidating. Like you said, it's definitely, um, it was male dominated for a very long time. And like you said, that's not the case anymore. But I've noticed that some females and women, they still are intimidated to come into sports, especially sports. Um, male sports, you know, hockey, football, soccer, all of these things um, are male dominated um, in the Bay Area out here, just with the teams that we have so close to us. But just don't be afraid and don't be intimidated. You know, like you're coming in, if you're passionate about the job, people are going to see that no matter what. So that's kind of the advice I have for young women that are wanting to get their foot in the door with sports, you know, ask questions, don't be intimidated and go kill it out there. I love that. We're talking to Emily Gardner, who is the operations coordinator for the Barracuda. You've been part of this team since the beginning. You will also be part of this team going into what will be a new beginning, and that's the new arena next year. What are you most excited about the uh, future home for the Barracuda? So I actually toured it yesterday. Um, I toured it yesterday. I checked it out, walked it. Um, The thing I think I'm most excited about is that it's really going to be our own home. You know, like playing at SAP Center is great, but the Barracuda, we don't, we can't fill 17,000 people in the arena here. So it's kind of hard from a game presentation perspective to put on a show and we are cutting off half the arena. So going into the new arena, it's going to be the the fact that it's really our own home and we can make it our own and we can create our own show. You know, Um, we have 4,200 seats there. It's going to be perfect for as far as like sound and acoustics go it's going to be loud it's going to be rowdy fans are going to have a great time with it I think the thing I'm most excited about is to really just make it our own and have our own home for the Barracuda okay one last question for you Uh, without spilling the beans and maybe just peeling back to the curtain a little bit what are a few uh, fun ideas that you have going into the new arena that you have not been able to do to this point at SAP Center but with the new home with the new facility which opens up new possibilities. What are a few things that you've got in store for us? So without, like you said, without spilling the beans too much, um, we have a little more leeway at the new arena. So we'll be able to do like some fun stuff like pyro and Cairo, and we'll maybe have live music at some point. Um, those are some of the fun things that we have to look 
forward to as well as some more on ice activations as far as intermissions go and just some more fun games for the fans with TV timeouts and such and we're kind of creating a new brand here we're going to have some more fun with the music and the DJs and make it really feel welcoming for all the Barracuda fans that are you know maybe a little hesitant changing arenas but it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be great to have our own place. Yeah, there should be no hesitation. This no is a, hesitation. Our, our arms are open. Our home is yes, open to, to everybody. And I don't think there's anything off the table because it, it's been pretty fun as we've built out this team to see the different ideas. One of the ideas, and I don't know if it's going to be fulfilled. I hope it is. I doubt it will be. I hope so. Is a stuffed uh, stuffed barracuda. I don't know if it's a stuffed barracuda or it's like a model fiberglass. Oh, one. yeah, like the taxidermy. Yes, barracuda. we have talked about that. I think that would be epic. You I walk into the arena, there's one of those on the wall as if you're in somebody's like sporting basement or something. I, I think Fishing, that'd be pretty sweet. Caves, I think that'd be <laughs> awesome. We have to make that happen. That has to be like right as you walk in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love over the top, just a little extra. Um, I think that would be that would be money. But uh, Emily, thank you so much for the insight. I think we should catch up again in the summer when a lot of the ideas have become public, have been fulfilled and are going to be part of the game presentation. We can kind of update fans on, on what's on tap going into the new arena. But um, it was really fun kind of hearing your story. You're going to be a huge part of the future and, and of the current club as well. And again, uh, and a, another congratulations. We're really excited for, for you taking over full time, a well-deserved opportunity. Thank you. Thank you.